Hey, friends. Hey. Welcome to the Viral Podcast, episode number six. Um, Before we get started with today's show, we have a few housekeeping things. Um, First of all, thank you to everyone who has subscribed so far and who has reviewed us. Um, And I hope we continue to get more. Please continue to review us because that's how people can find us more easily in iTunes. Yeah. Public Health Needs Data and a Public Health Podcast also does. Yes. That was kind of clunky, but oh well. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Another thing, we are releasing this episode and then we're going to be going to an every other week format with... Maybe a drop-in episode here or there, depending on what's going on in the news or um, if we have something exciting going on and wanted to share. But uh, yeah, we we thought this way we would continue to make really good, high-quality content for you and um, still be able to get it out in a, in a reasonable uh, format that won't kill either one of us either. Yes, who knew that being a podcast host was not incredibly lucrative? So we have to continue to work our day jobs. For two people who work full-time jobs, doing a podcast every week is a lot of work. Yes, and I think our spouses will also like this format better. Yeah. So so, uh, with that being said, uh, I wanted to remind you guys we do have a website viral-pod.com we have a twitter and we have a facebook and you can contact us leave us questions comments or whatever uh on there now what is today's topic we're talking about opportunities after you graduate yeah so who here i'm talking to you listener has seen a job posting where it's like we're looking for young upstarts with at least 10 years of experience in the field of blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, um, so I had to have started working when I was like nine years old at this thing. I uh, mean, does, uh, does umpiring when you're in middle school count? Is that work experience? Because that's on my resume. Oh, good. No, is that relevant public health work experience? I was promoting healthy behaviors. Sure. How do you get experience... When the jobs I want require experience in order to get the job. Anyone see where Hermione left that time turner? Yeah. I'd love to be able to do like three things at once. We all would. But then that would also mean that we'd run ourselves ragged. Yep. So while this podcast is about the field of public health and the cool, weird, gross, and interesting stuff that people in the field have done to protect the public's health throughout history, we would also like to support the current and future public health people out there. So if you are in a Master of Public Health program now or studying public health as a minor or maybe as you know your bachelor's program, or let's say you're a rock star PhD student who is looking haggard and bleary eyed from the depths of your dissertation, looking to the future for what you <laughs> want to do with your life now that you have some schooling in your pocket. Ooh, this episode I, is for you. That was way too real for me right now. <laughs> or maybe DR PhD student? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. A little bit too real? A little too real. 
So, we are recording this in April of 2017, and right now there are hundreds, thousands even, of students coasting to, uh, I mean, pounding hard away, hard away at their finals and their final papers uh, towards graduating. Yeah. Definitely uh, not coasting. Well, if they, if they, if they don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I remember what this was like, and I remember being in that existential crisis phase of a, uh, just graduating school person. I think it's a rite of passage. It is. Like, all right, you've got a lot of debt, you got no experience, you need a job so you can start paying off your debt, and you want to do something cool and meaningful. Well, Okay. We're going to talk about some options for you in the field of public health. So, there's this unique type of program in our field called a fellowship. and It's not of the ring. Not a fellowship of the ring. Um, you will not have to go to Mordor unless that's part of your, um, your work. I did hear that they're offering a graduate program there, though, now. Yeah? Are, yeah. are they... Um, is this related to the surveillance of pustules on orcs? Yes, there was a in, lot in of work done on that, and they decided to open up a school. Right, because I think there was a study on the Urukai, and they wanted to replicate that in the in the normal orcs. Get out of here. Oh, oh God. What have I done? <laughs> we went too far. Oh, no. People who know too much about me now. Oh, man. All right, so it's basically a fancy word describing a blended program of on-the-job training and actual work for a public health agency where, and this is the best part, they actually pay you a decent salary. What? I know. Your days of slinging coffees to support yourself in your unpaid internship are over, friends. I'm going to recommend some specific programs here, but I want to stress that your buddy Google is your best friend when it comes to a fellowship search. And honestly, if you don't know how to use Google by now, I'm worried about you. <laughs> we are concerned about Please you. Please email me. Okay? You're going to get a lot of emails oh, from a lot of moms out there. Oh, gosh. I ho- Actually, I hope so. I look forward to them. I really do. Yeah. Um... So, the Centers for Disease Control, or CDC, has some great fellowship programs directly through the agency itself, as well as through partner agencies. We will put some helpful links together in the show notes or on our website, so don't feel like you need to be writing all of this down. You can start your search by going to cdc.gov fellowships or by googling CDC fellowships to get started. I did a, uh, a program called the ASPPH Fellowship, which is managed by the Association of Schools and Programs of Public Health, which places students at CDC headquarters and other places around the country, like the FDA and the EPA, etc. You can do programs through them that focus on health communications, environmental health, HIV-AIDS, global health, biostatistics, public health policy, you name it. The opportunities tend to vary year to year based on what projects the host agency has to offer, but they are offering more and more every year. And don't sell yourself short either. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who have said, oh, well, that's something that, you know, like is only for valedictorians and the people who 
are the best of the best of the best, and so they don't apply. And so what ends up happening is you have programs with only a few applicants because people have essentially voted themselves out before they even gave themselves a chance. I can say that I was one of those people. I was really scared to apply for a fellowship because I really thought I wouldn't get it. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to apply. Um, even, you know, if you have a degree in public health or a degree in another field but have experience and interest in public health, um, you can still get placed in a project. And they may even have um, a project that's not necessarily like on their website that they think you would be good for. Um, and for me, it ended up being a really fantastic experience and it opened up a ton of doors for me as a young professional. Um, they pair you with a working professional and they serve as your mentor, not just your boss. So their job is to teach you stuff about on-the-job training in public health and they also serve as you know, the person, your point person for getting projects, doing um, travel opportunities. If there's a conference you want to go to, you can do that. Um, it's a lot more flexible than like working a, a job straight out of school. But Quinn, doesn't that mean you have to move? It does. I actually, like, um, I was doing a, a different program in San Francisco, and I got a call from the people with, with CDC, and they said, hey, uh, you've been accepted to this program, and you have to let us know within the next, like, two days if you want it, or else we're going to offer it to the next person. And I was like, what? I don't know if I want to do this. Because it would involve moving to Atlanta and, you know, uprooting and doing this. But I ended up doing that and loving it. And sometimes they turn into full-time jobs, which is awesome. Even better. Yeah. And those jobs lead to better jobs. And it's just a good way to get your foot in the door. And even if they don't, it's a great way to network with people. Yeah. So another one is called the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, or ORISE. They put people all over the place, and even sometimes their fellowships turn into full-time jobs once you're finished as well. Those are a little bit more science, like, you know, laboratory science-based, where you've got people who are, um, have backgrounds in microbiology or, you know, hardcore um, epidemiology, where they're going in and taking samples and studying things in the field. Um, all the way to more policy and communications type work. Um, so that's another good resource, and they post jobs there as well. The American Public Health Association, or APHA, they offer fellowship programs for people who have recently graduated too. If, you've already, if you already have a job lined up or you already know what you want to do, that's awesome. But if not, consider a fellowship program. They're a great way to get started in the field of public health when all you see are jobs where the minimum requir requirements are like five years of experience. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, well, how do I get five years of experience if all the jobs require five years of experience to get them? Um, so the cool things with these programs, the cool thing with these programs is that you are expected to work and learn at the same time. So I got to go to like um, presentations and I got to go to conferences and I got to do trainings that were sort of outside of my normal scope of work just so that I would become a more well-rounded, professional human person. Look at you. I know. So 
Um, I just wanted to put that plug out there. I really enjoyed my fellowship at the CDC, and it's helped me get a lot of professional contacts and street cred, I suppose. I mean, my imposter syndrome still tells me that like, I'm a piece of garbage who didn't deserve to get that in the first place, but at least it's on my resume and that can't be changed, right? Oh, man. Yep. Okay. Oh, oh God. Tugs at collar. Oh, my gosh. Nervously. We could have a whole episode on imposter syndrome. I know. So, also, there are cool programs like the Peace Corps and AmeriCorps. Do you have anything to say about that, Lindsay? I do, actually. I, during my undergrad uh, at Central Michigan, I was uh, a part of the AmeriCorps program. Um... In the AmeriCorps program, at least within the state of Michigan, and a lot of times they have state-specific programs, Uh, this was the Michigan Campus Compact, which uh, worked with different campuses to put AmeriCorps volunteers in place to recruit uh, student volunteers for campus-wide volunteering initiatives. So my time with the Safer Sex Patrol. Safer Sex Patrol. It was awesome. It also allowed me to get, uh, to become an AmeriCorps volunteer, which also offered me a stipend later on when I needed uh, tuition for my credits doing an unpaid internship. So it was really great. Uh, it helped me connect with other, uh, like, with other student leaders, which was really nice. And, um, There's also different programs within AmeriCorps. There's City Year, which is a program where uh, volunteers can go, I think they rotate every three years and go to different volunteer sites. And and it varies. You could be in a school, you know, uh, working with kids, doing youth development, or you could be out in a national park repairing a trail. I mean, it's, it's really vast. And actually, a lot more high school students, when they graduate, if they want to take like a gap year they do AmeriCorps because it's a really great way to kind of figure out what career path you want to go down if you're not sure if you're Mm -hmm. a professional that's just graduated though there is the VISTA program and the VISTA program uh, really is meant for uh, AmeriCorps volunteers that want to take on more leadership uh, opportunities in very specific issues. So you could be doing, uh, you could be a coordinator working on HIV education. You could be working in a community center doing youth development. Uh, but they're very specific, and every state offers different positions. So there might be the requirement that you have to move. Uh, AmeriCorps is actually known as the Domestic Peace Corps. So obviously, it's only within the United States. The Peace Corps obviously goes out internationally. And a lot of MPH programs actually work with the Peace Corps and you can get uh, time spent in the Peace Corps as well as some coursework and and that actually will count towards a master's degree. I know at USF, they have an MSPH program Mm -hmm. that works with the Peace Corps, which is really cool. And a lot of those students are, you know, global health focused. So... Uh, they're both really great opportunities to, uh, you know, get out in the world if you're really not sure what health issue you want to focus on, you know, and get more leadership experience as well as uh, an educational stipend. And if you do, um, if you do AmeriCorps, they actually will help pay for some of your housing as well. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it, it's a really cool program. I really enjoyed my time in it. Um, so yeah, that's an option. And that's like obviously across the United States, which is really cool. Yeah. So 
Um, a couple other ones with CDC that I wanted to mention, the Presidential Management Fellows Program is a good one where graduates can work directly with leadership to learn how an agency like CDC operates and also um, get an idea for how sort of like cross-cutting issues like epidemiology and program planning and evaluation, no matter what topic area, um, because for me, I... I was really more interested in um, like those cross-cutting issues than a specific disease or topic area where some people, if you are like an expert in malaria or some very specific tropical disease or whatever it is, that is awesome and you should totally pursue it because we need hyper-specialized experts. But if you're not sure, don't feel bad about it because we need people who are generalists too. Um, and, and probably the next one is like the biggest one that I can't believe I forgot until now is um, the PHAP program, which is the Public Health Associates program. And they actually, I think, out of all these ones, hired the most amount of people. Um, and they also bring people on straight out of undergrad. So you don't need a master's public health degree to get mm-hmm. into this program. And basically what, the, what they do is they train you at CDC Um, for a little while and then they place you at a state or local health department agency where you get to work on a a wide variety of issues. You can specialize if you want or you can kind of be a generalist and when you're done you basically again come out with that 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 street cred of someone who's worked you know with the CDC and and done um, big cross-cutting issues and you can apply for jobs either within CDC or within a different federal agency or at a state or local um, area. So those are pretty cool. Let's see. We talked about Peace Corps, AmeriCorps. Um, the Carter Center has some really interesting jobs and programs. I have a friend who used to work for the Carter Center, and it was really interesting work. Yeah. Um, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation has leadership programs. The Brookings Institution has uh, some programs there. There's you, some of them. It's like seminars that you might have to like pay for, but it could increase your your network, and you can mm-hmm. kind of meet people who do the type of work that you might be interested in. And if there's an organization that you think is doing cool work, reach out to them and yes. talk to them. Like, Absolutely. There's this whole thing of um, you know informational interviews. You can just talk to the people who do the type of work that you want to do. And just get to know them, um, not in like a, hey, you know, I kind of want a job, but as a, more of a, I want to know more about what you do. I'm graduating and I want to do this work in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it takes personal commitment and networking to make things happen. Also, um, if you do write an essay, make sure you proofread it. Yes, please. Please proofread your essays. And have other people proofread them too. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. One of the one of the most helpful things that I learned sort of professional development wise was good writing will trump um, the experience every time. So like for instance, if you've got two people with a similar resume, maybe one of them even has like, you know, more years of experience or whatever. But if they have a really garbage cover letter or a really terrible essay, Mm -hmm. that looks worse than the person who can actually like string words and sentences together in a coherent fashion. First impressions mean a lot. Yup. 
And we need more people in this field who can write and convey scientific information in yes. a, a readable, palatable format. Um, yeah. So, Lindsay, have you ever heard of the STAR method? No, I haven't, actually. Ooh. So, if you have been asked to do a cover letter or an essay or something for a fellowship program or a job, here's a quick way that you can demonstrate your your value in like a really clean, concise manner. And it's called the STAR method. Situation, task, action, result. Nice. It's where you are asked to describe something that you did or describe a situation where, blah, blah, blah. You say what the situation is. You describe a task, what you were either given to do by someone or what you decided to do yourself. You say what you did. And then you say what happened as a result of what you did. And it's like a four-sentence way to describe something concisely and kind of bookend it in a way that is, you know, quick and easy for someone who's reviewing your abilities to understand. That's really, that's, that's great. Um, one thing that I actually came across today as I was... Um, writing was and I completely forgot about this but um and now I'm forgetting right now it's basically the taxonomy of words that you use when you're writing objectives I'm trying to remember what it's called and now I'm blinking let me look it up right Bloom's taxonomy that's what it is so these are really good words to use because they're they are concrete and they um they're great when you're writing objectives so like if you're all right we'll put that in yeah in a blog as well yeah so if you're doing a presentation or even if you know sometimes when you're writing an application for a fellowship or an internship you have to put together maybe learning objectives or, you know, if you want to just have kind of those action words where you're saying, okay, yeah. you know, this is what I want to get out of it. Your um, mom's a learning objective, by the way. She would take that as a compliment. I, think. I just wanted to. You know, today's her birthday. Oh. Yeah. Oh. How does that make you feel? Oh, man. Linda's going to be birthday. so mad. Uh, she's going to laugh when she hears this. Happy birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> So anyway, Bloom's taxonomy is really great when you're writing objectives, um, especially learning objectives. So uh, that's just something else that you can use. I really like the star method, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. Get into it. I'm gonna get right into that. Yeah. We could talk about writing. I think for an entire po- or for an entire episode. I think. Yeah. So whether or not you are doing, you know, contact surveillance and your your projects have to do with, like. Um, in-depth epidemiology, you still have to be able to describe what you did in a concise way. Yes. I mean, it's very important. All right. Well, I think uh, we kind of went through this. Um, Hopefully what we provided is helpful. Um, Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? Did you talk about ASPPH fellowships? Okay. I for a second, I blinked out. Sorry. Oh, man, you're giving me the look. <laughs> well, those ones are really cool. Uh, and 
I can't really think of anything else. Um, as someone who is actually taking on an intern, um, I will say definitely if there, I will reiterate what Quinn said. If there's an organization that you're really interested in working with, reach out to them because a lot of times, you know, they're not posting things on their website that, you know, projects that they need help on. Um, and especially a lot of nonprofits need help. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times this is unpaid work, but um, there is paid work out there. There is paid work out there. And, and don't, not enough people apply for these things. Exactly. Either. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. So, yeah, that, um, that's all I have to say. Oh, I have one more question for you. Okay. What is uh, Horse's favorite wine? I don't Chardonnay! Is that going to be in the... Oh my goodness. You like that? Yeah, I, I love it. I can tell by the stunned silence. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Thank you for, you know... Thank I just you wanted for, to end on that no, note. Bring it right... Yeah, bring that weirdness right in. Yeah. Bring it right into this podcast. All right, well... Uh, oh, hey. Uh, um, are you reading anything good lately? Am I reading anything good lately? Gosh, no. I feel oh. so bad. Like, I just haven't had time. I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts, though. Yeah. And I'm not going to say what they are, who they were by, just in case I mess up the name in the title. <laughs> so, there's that. I have been reading um, a book by Neil Gaiman called Neverwhere. Ooh. <sighs> it is very good. What is it about? So, Neil Gaiman, who famously wrote the Sandman comic mm-hmm. series and um, wrote the book American Gods, which is going to be coming out of, in a TV series soon, it looks pretty good. It does look I good. actually have never read anything by Neil Gaiman, and I'm a big sci-fi fan, so I thought, all right, I need to, I need to get into this. And mm-hmm. so I picked, up his, I picked up Neverwhere, which was his first like solo book. Um, he had written and co-written a bunch of other things before that, but... Um, this one looked pretty interesting. And essentially, uh, you know, without giving away too much of the plot, you've got your typical um, normal guy falls into a mysterious world unknown to him or anyone else besides okay. the people in the mysterious world. Um, in Below the Streets of London, called London Below. And it, Ooh, this is kind of people like... live in the sewers, and oh. it, although there's um, there's magic, there are ancient, dangerous assassins, angels, and people who talk to rats. Um, sounds it kind of sounds like China Mieville a little bit. It does a little bit sound like China Mieville, and there's there are some parallels to one of China Mieville's books, um, Embassy Town. No, not Embassy Town, Kraken. I was just going to say, sounds Kraken. a little bit like Kraken. But um, it's very good. And there's a bit of social commentary in there, too, where the people who live in London below are more or less invisible to the people who live in London above, where uh, they're kind of like the people who have fallen through the cracks, and it, it kind of is like playing on the idea where of we can walk by a homeless person and pretend that they're not there. Um, oh, so it's it's a literal metaphor of like... Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, it's it's a good book. That I'm sounds really it. good. Have you read anything by Alan Moore? Like The Watchmen? Have you read... Have you... Lindsay. 
I'm just. I, I read Alan Moore. I'm just asking. Yes. Okay. I'm just asking. My God. I mean, I know we're How friends. I clearly. I all right. How dare you? How dare me? You're right. <laughs> You're right. Obviously, you can tell we're uh, really big science fiction fantasy nerds. So yeah. we like yeah. to, you know, balance our books about diseases with uh, balance. Books about magic and space and other weird stuff. I love all that stuff. Yeah. So, anywho. Thank you for uh, tuning in to the Viral Podcast. Yes. Have a great week. Bye. Today's public health fact from the 1500s until the 20th century. Mercury was used as a popular medicine to counteract sexually transmitted diseases like syphilis. While some claimed the heavy metal treated their infection, many also died from liver and kidney damage caused by mercury poisoning. Thanks for listening to Viral. This podcast was written and produced by Quinn Lundquist, that's me, and Lindsay Grove. Our theme is Take Your Medicine by the Quick and Easy Boys. If you like our podcast, let us know. Leave a review, tell your friends, but most importantly, make sure to always wash your hands. 